0: Welcome to the Vulnerable Scientist Podcast. This is your host, Saranya Carey, and she is very excited. So today, I had an interview that successfully recorded without losing the recordings with Clean feed, And my host is Milka, and... I'm so excited that she came in and we had a very long conversation that was very enriching, and I wouldn't want to cut or edit edit any parts of the conversation out. So instead of having a very long podcast or very long episode, I'll cut it into three, and maybe add another one, maybe. But I'll cut it into three, and if you're listening to any of the Parts maybe part one will be introduction. Part two will be the lows, then part three will be the highs. If you're listening to any of the parts, please consider to listen to the other parts so that you can get the full context. And it would be better if you listen to them with that succession: introduction, the lo- the, um, the lows, then the highs, and maybe you'll get the full context of her story. Okay. Enjoy. Hi,
1: Sarah. Hi. Um, thanks for uh, inviting me to talk about my highs and lows in research. Um, and thanks for this podcast. So my name is Milka Kigoni. I am from Nairobi, Kenya. Not born in Nairobi, born in Moranga, a small place in Kenya. And I am a biochemist by training. So I did my undergrad in um in KU, Kenyatta University, in biochemistry. And then I did a master's program in biochemistry and bioinformatics. And that's how I joined the world of uh, bioinformatics mainly. And for my master's thesis research, I worked on um, animal vaccines and predicting a good vaccine candidate based on their genomics. So that was fun. Um, after that, however, because of the struggles of finding a job in bioinformatics during that time, um, unfortunately, there were not many opportunities for that. There were very few places you could actually um, work uh, in Kenya at the moment at that time. So because of that, I I looked for internship opportunities um, just to keep going. And I got an internship with the International, IITA, um, <laughs> International Tropical <laughs> Research Institute <laughs> in Africa. Maybe that's not true, uh, truly the name, but it's called IITA. Uh, and they do research on crops for improvement, like banana, ar- uh, cassava, and other such crops. And I did that for about six months. Um And afterwards, I moved on to a position with EC Research, which is another research institute that works on crops that grow in arid and semi-arid areas. And I was hired to be a data analysis consultant for breeding programs. And that's how I got into the world of breeding, crop breeding, um, which was very interesting. So I'd left my background in livestock research and I started working with crop breeders. Uh, who, you know, they work on different plant crops and try to improve these crops to adapt to the climate climatic changes, or just the environments that they are being grown in, to perform better in those, to give high yield, to um, resist diseases better, or to grow with minimum inputs and yet be high highly productive for farmers. And this opportunity was really great. Um, I got to meet so many people, network with so many researchers across Africa and Southeast Asia and some people also here in the US and Europe because it was a highly collaborative project that I was working on. And during this time, um, I got to have that uh, interest in improving crops and crop production um, for farmers ultimately. And then I got a job in sweden with a private company that works on gen, uh, you know genomics and genomics tools uh, and i worked there for one one year and some months after which i got this phd opportunity but while i was working uh in sweden i was also uh, supposed to start a phd program there <laughs> and then covid came and my funding, the funding for that research, uh, was cut. And so, yeah, so that happened and it was a very frustrating time. So if I'm going to talk about one of my low points, that, that was one of them in research. Just the, the funding and how, you know, events that occur that you don't think would affect funding that for your project or for your PhD or for your research. That they can actually happen and just have a very direct impact on on your job. So that yeah. was one of my lowest points um, because I had already started the PhD. We had a I had a very good group of mentors, very supportive, but this happened and so uh, you know I started looking for another PhD. Um, but one of the highs that came out of that was the mm-hmm. you know the benefit of networking because. How I got to get this PhD that I am working on now is is as a result of that. It's networking that I had done years before. Uh, people had met years before without knowing that they would have an impact in my future. And you know, we we had done. I had been we had been been involved in the same project together and you know we worked well and when they heard that i'm now looking for a phd opportunity they were able to point me in the right direction and i did my applications and thank god everything went smoothly and i was able to come here in the u.s at the university of illinois at urbana champaign and start a phd program in crop science wow um yes is that all in terms of introduction Yes, I think that's an introduction to where I am now. (laughs) That's the journey, a very brief one.
0: (laughs) It it, it sounds long to me, coming from my side. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I I think just to point out, I I didn't realize that you did something related to animals before. Mm -hmm. And you actually did something that I am actually doing right now. Yes. (laughs)
1: That's, I think now that's why I connect with your content a lot. Um, yeah, I did. I worked on livestock briefly. I was very passionate. We were working on tick-borne diseases. I had an opportunity to go out, meet farmers, talk to them, livestock farmers in Kenya, and it was a very good project. Um Unfortunately, this is, I, I would say this is how life goes. And, you know, the, the impact of just changes, like availability of funding, availability of jobs, it can change your career direction and That's exactly what happened. I still care about livestock diseases. (laughs)
0: Wow. (laughs) And I also love that that you mentioned about um, the benefits of networking. Mm. These are people that you networked before even you being in Sweden, right? Yes. Um, I...
1: Honestly Sarah one of the the best um my treasures through research has been network my, that has paid off more than anything um in my research the people that I've met um during networking events or just meetings or just emailing people um you know and these they've uh you know they've played a role here and there in my life um, in times when I didn't even think that they will, you know, they will become very um, important people in, in my career path. So networking to me is one of the most important thing a researcher can do, and being able to keep those those uh, those networks, keep the conversations going, um, it's it's very important because then when an opportunity arises for something that they know that you, you're do you're on their mind and it's the same for me as well that people that I know when I have I'm stuck say with um, you know a genomics problem or I need assistance with a certain software that I can use to collect data in the field the first person that I will come to mind is someone that I know within that I've connected with who does that so I will reach out to them before I put out an advert.
0: Wow. Wow, I love I love that point. I know it's not related to <laughs> this podcast, but I, I love that you've pointed <laughs> that out. <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. so um, <laughs> you want to start with the lows or the highs? I know you've already started, mm. but yes,
1: let's start with the lows so that we end on a high note. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so after the podcast was done, I realized that we didn't talk about what Milka was doing in depth and I thought that I could push this last part of the podcast to this introductory part and you'll enjoy the rest in the other parts of the podcast. So uh,
1: I'm doing a PhD with uh, Dr. Juan Albelais. He's a professor here at the University of Illinois at Urbana Champaign and he's also an oat breeder and we we are part of a program called the small grains breeding team uh, program and we work on small grains like oat, wheat, tree jelly and barley so far. And um, for my project, um, we are working on intercropping. We just want to see um, how can we improve the oat varieties we have here, the oat oat crop, because it's a, it's an important crop, but in the Midwest, it's a, a minor crop, because they love uh, corn, maize, <sighs> now I can say maize, they love maize and soybean, <laughs> those are some of the things, like I always called it maize all my life, and then I have to say corn, corn and soybean, <laughs> corn and soybean. And and then oat is one, it's an alternative crop here and it's grown for the grain itself, like when you have oatmeal in the morning um, or it's grown for forage. So they just plant it, cut it, either use it for, for hay um, or just graze it. So our target is the farmers who are growing it for forage and we want to see how we can improve it for them so that we give them good oat varieties that give them high yield and quality of of forage. One thing we noticed, or that has become very popular, is that they intercrop it. So they plant it with a legume like peas, and to improve the quality, because if you add a legume to a grass, you get higher quality of forage. So, But we don't know which of the oats that they are planting is a better candidate to do this, to mix with peas. Because plants, uh, species planted together in a small in in a space, they compete with each other, Some, or sometimes they complement each other, and we don't, know, uh, much, we don't know how the oats we have here are performing, which ones are better. So the whole goal is to identify those that perform well when they are intercropped, so that we can improve them, and hopefully in the future they can be released and used for, for, for this use of forage. So, my, my main goal, personal goal from this PhD is to learn more about breeding, how to breed, uh, and, and just all the knowledge around breeding that you need, like genetics, genomics, statistics, um, what name it, crop physiology, crop management, pests, you know, all that, all that. It's a very broad field. I want to gain knowledge in that, and I want to use that knowledge either to provide uh, advice or to actually implement it in a breeding program in the future where I can apply it to either oats or another crop and improve it and I the reason why I'm interested so that's why I'm interested in breeding the reason why I'm interested in intercropping is because back home we have smaller farms every time our farms are just getting smaller so and we intercrop a lot it's not nothing, it's nothing new but how can we improve the crops that we plant there so that we are planting a seed that is it is known to do well or better than others in an intercrop system so that you can get high yield or it survives diseases or drought better than other seeds in that intercropped system so, so that we can promote that practice of intercropping because it's good... Uh, in that you can get a lot from a very small piece of land which is common home at home and you can intercrop different things that will help in the nutrition like you have more options on your plate and that it's good for the soil so that we we, we are more environmentally sustainable so that's why I'm doing what I'm doing and I I have an amazing advisor called uh, Dr. Juan Albelais, and he's been very helpful Process so, yeah, and I'm in the first. I just finished my first year, Um, learned so much, and so I'll continue with my next
0: year uh, from January. Okay, so congratulations!
1: Thank you, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) thank you.